following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. You look handsome. No, let's, let's reverse that. You look beautiful and you look handsome. Let's brag on the ladies first, all right? You guys get all the brags anyhow. So what a joy to see you in church tonight. I'm blown away every Wednesday night because I always underestimate and I'm always allowing God to blow my mind by the crowd that shows up on Wednesday here at CLC. I'm honored, very honored that you're here tonight, and I feel extremely honored that the Lord showed up tonight. Our music was incredible. Did you enjoy the music tonight? Wow. That's just, that's just top of the line, A number one, homogenize, won't rip, ravel, and tear around the edges. That's good stuff. That's just good stuff. We got some guests in the house tonight. I want to welcome Steph Cripps uh, is here with us tonight. Russ and Stephanie stayed with us for almost 10 years went over to Baton Rouge, and they brought in a beautiful church, and they have a couple of campuses, and she's in the house. Stephanie, would you stand up, sweetheart? We're glad to have you. It's an honor to have you tonight. And stand up your friend there. And she brought her buddy. Come on, Angela, stand up. This is Angela Moore. They came to Austin for one reason, to spend their husband's money. That's what they came for. Glad y'all showed up at church, guys. Thank you so much. Stephanie and Russ were just tremendous staff pastors here, and... Uh, about every Monday, I would have a note on my desk that said something like this, and this is Russ's way. He's an old LSU tiger. This is Russ's way. He said, I love your guts, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> about every Monday. And, uh, and I know that Russ loves me, and I know that Stephanie does, and we're happy to have them tonight in the house. Now, I brought a little something I'm going to wear on Sunday. This is mine. This is not anybody else's. <laughs> And I'm not putting my name on it. It's E. Smith. It's Ernest Smith. Ernest. <laughs> so wear your jersey on Sunday, and uh, I'll wear mine, and we're going to have a good time. I'm starting a brand-new series on Sunday. It's called, it's called this. You ready for it? It's called this. You ready? You ready? You ready? Dream, Inc. Dreams Incorporated. We're going to incorporate some dreams in our life. I've always loved to start the new year talking about the Savior. We did that. And now this, this month we're going to talk about some dreams that we need to have in our life. And I used to have a pad on my desk that had this at the bottom. Dreams come true if you don't oversleep. <laughs> so we're going to wake up to dreams in 2020. And February the 2nd on Sunday is going to be a great day. My first uh, life group starts on the 4th on Tuesday. Lunch with PJ, Pastor Johnson, and we'd love to have you and love to have you be a part of that. So if you hadn't signed up, please do. If we can't get you in the first one, we'll get you in on the second one. We want you to be a part of that. Would you stand to your feet, you're incredible people, and I love you, love you, love you very, very much. I'm speaking tonight on the third part of this Solomon's Secrets. We're just really enjoying this. I started this two weeks ago or three weeks ago now, two weeks ago. And I talked about if you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up someplace else. <laughs> That's true. And then Brad last week was incredible. He brought a word that said, to succeed more, you have to fail more. In other words, you've got to keep trying. You've got to keep trying. Um, 
You know, Jesus found a man at the pool of Bethesda that he healed, and there was a bunch of people around that pool that didn't get healing. But I found and I discovered the secret of why that man got healed because the Bible said that he told the Lord, the angel troubles the water, and as I am coming, somebody else gets in the water and gets healing. And those four words, as I am coming, awakened Jesus' healing properties. Because he realized that the man never made it for 38 years, but every time the water was troubled, he tried to get there. And the Lord knows that when you try, he's going to show up one day, and he's going to heal you and touch you and bless you because you have a desire to get to where God wants you to be. And so I love you very much. I'm not going to be lengthy tonight because I know many of you have news to watch tonight. And you have shows that you're taping right now. I know because I live with my wife. Amen. I'm going to speak tonight on the third secret of Solomon. And here it is. Listening to the jerks in your life. Pastor, I can't believe you said that word. Well, I did. Listening to the jerks in your life. Turn to somebody and say, don't be one, okay? You may be seated. You're awesome people. Let me get started. I'd like to start with something funny. A state policeman stopped a car puttering along the highway at 19 miles an hour, and he approaches that car to investigate and notices that there's five older women in the car. And obviously upset, the driver blurts out, Officer, I don't understand why you stopped us. I was doing exactly the speed limit. Quickly figuring out the problem, the officer chuckles, ma'am, I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm just very concerned about you driving so slow on a major road. The 19 you saw isn't a speed limit. It's a route number. You're on route 19. <laughs> Little embarrassed, the woman grins and thanks the officer for pointing out the mistake. But before she rolls up the window and moves on, the officer said, ma'am, before you go, I got to ask you the rest why the rest of the women in the car were so shaken and afraid and, and are speechless. They hadn't said a word since I stopped you. The woman explained, they'll be all right in a minute or two. We just got off Highway 119. That's some cool women in that car. A pastor named Scott has a sweet tooth. And his wife was going out to run some errands and she knew that the chocolate chip cookies that she had just baked might disappear before she returned. So to discourage her husband from getting into those cookies, she taped a Bible verse on them. It was 1 Corinthians 6 and 12. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. When she returned, she found half the cookies gone and another verse, Proverbs 13 and 25, attached to the plate which the cookies had resided on. It read like this, the righteous eat to their heart's content, <laughs> but the stomach of the wicked goes hungry. <laughs> Folks, it pays to know your Bible, only if only to win arguments with your spouse, all right? Now, I'm going to start this tonight. I have never seen a memorial or a statue created for a critic. It's people that do things. It's people that make things happen that statues are created for. But tonight we're going to talk about critics and how to handle them. We're going to talk about jerks in your life. And I won't be lengthy, but I promise to be decent tonight. Gina's two-year affair with Roger was the worst-kept secret in the church. She felt trapped in a loveless marriage. A Bible study group was her weekly alibi. 
her friend Lisa was her cover, and Lisa had, had had enough of this. And one evening, when leaving her lover's apartment, Gina called Lisa and asked, is there anything I need to know about tonight's Bible study that I can tell my husband when I get home? And Lisa responded, yes. Bill called looking for you, and I did not cover for you. What you're doing, Gina, is wrong. And all the way home, Gina rehearsed her response and prepared for the worst. And in all the nervousness of the moment, not paying attention, she had a bad car wreck. She came to one day later and with only a concussion and a broken arm and her husband that loved her was by her side. And as a few days went by, Lisa came by to see her estranged friend now. It was an awkward moment. And Lisa said, I hope you're okay and not too offended at me. I somehow felt like the wreck was my fault. I hope our friendship can heal and I trust God will use this accident to bring some needed changes in your life. And Gina said, oh, don't worry about that. I've been thinking about the changes I'm going to make and I realize how life short can be, how short life can be and I'm going to leave Bill and move in with Roger. Gina missed her chance for allowing correction slash reproof to help her do the right thing in life. If you want to show, truly show wisdom and insight like Solomon, then you're going to have to learn how to deal with criticism and how to deal with critics. Even though that criticism may come from jerks and sounds like a jerks in your life. But it's impossible, folks, to go through life without being criticized. Say amen to that. If you try to accomplish something, you're going to be criticized. If you're satisfied to loaf in life, you're going to be criticized for that. I heard from the department store, from a department store that made a big fuss over its millionth customer that walked in the door. And the store president made a speech in her honor. She was given gifts. Her picture was taken for the paper. And after all these ceremonies, the customer continued to her original destination, the complaint department. <laughs> if anyone received lots of criticism, it was Jesus. The religious establishment called him a blasphemer. He was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard, and a Samaritan, and a friend of sinners. And the Bible refers to him as despised and rejected a man, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And his own family thought he was acting irresponsibly. One can feel the pressure of Jesus' opposition building. John, is, John the Baptist has been arrested by King Herod, and he's put in prison 18 months after he announced the Lord. And he sent two of his disciples and said, Go ask him, Are you he that should come, or do we look for another? In Matthew 11, verse 16 and 17, Jesus says that the people are like children. He said, I invite them to play like we're having a wedding. In other words, to play a happy game, but they refuse. So I invite them to play a sad game like we're having a funeral, but they don't want to do that either. People are just contrary, critical. They're hard to please. In Proverbs, correction is often referred to as reproof. Say it with me, reproof. Or by the parallel term, discipline. A reproof is simply a circumstance that God brings in our life to convict us of our sin and motivate us to turn away from it. It's been my experience, folks, that being, that receiving reproof is never fun. It's going to happen to all of us, but how we receive it is what separates the successful from the unsuccessful and the wise from the unwise. Oh, Solomon had plenty to say about this. Proverbs 12, verse 1, he said it this way, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is, there's that word that we don't use in our house. 
We never use that word in our house, but I've got to say it. It's S-T-U-P-I-D. Can you pronounce that? Boy, my kids would get on me if I ever used that. Even calling the dog that was not good at our house. But that's a bad word. You can't fix it hardly. Proverbs 13 says, Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. But he who regards reproof will be honored. Solomon said in Proverbs 15, He whose ear listens to the life-given reproof will dwell among the wise. And he who neglects discipline despises himself, but he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. Proverbs 29 and 1 says, A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. Can I say something to you folks? Discipline is good for all of us. We need discipline in our life. We all need reproof from time to time, yet we tend to have the same attitude toward it that I do for kale and cauliflower. I know it's supposed to be good for me, but it tastes horrible. And I'll take sausage and eggs, please. Thank you very much. (laughs) Solomon said, if you can overcome some issues in life, reproof is good for you. And here's three reasons I think we struggle so much with correction. The first is what I call the word pride. Everybody say pride. You know what the middle letter in pride is? P-R-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-D-E. Pride is, the middle letter is I. No one enjoys criticism. And it's, it's, it's human nature for our first reaction to be negative. But it's our last reaction that matters. See, Solomon had a son named Rehoboam who ascended to the throne when Solomon passed on. And the Israelites were physically and economically drained from the massive building program that Solomon had instituted building the temple for the Lord that took some seven years. And some of the people gathered, they gathered together uh, in the courage and went before King Rehoboam and humbly request that he give everyone a tax break. They simply asked for a little empathy and financial reprieve and in return they promised to follow him forever. Unfortunately, Rehoboam's pride kicked into overdrive. And he responded like one of our old U.S. presidents used to do to his advisors if they crossed his ideas. He would say, if you're so smart, why aren't you president? The yes voices in Rehoboam's life took over. And in 1 Kings 12, the Bible said the young men replied, this is what you should tell these complainers who want a lighter burden. Tell them my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. That finger's thick. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. You know, when I was a young pastor, this year I'm 70 years old. I know I don't look it. I know I look a lot older. But I'm 70 years old this year. I've been in ministry 50 years. I've been pastoring here 30 years. I'm a 70-50-30 man. I don't know if that's good in oil or not, but that'll run, that'll run a car every now and then, 70, 50, 30. And I remember when I was just a young preacher, I can tell you the feeling of euphoria at opening up my mouth and telling my critics off. Woo, I loved it. But I never did it to them. <laughs> I always thought it, but I never said it. And I think it kept me out of trouble. But I would always find an empty room somewhere a little later, and I would tell that room everything I wanted to tell them. I'd say, no, 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 no. Don't tell me. I'll tell you. Don't you look at me like that. I'll look right back at you. (laughs) And God would say, what are you doing, son? You're acting like a fool. 
talking to yourself. But I must also tell you the thrill was short-lived. Jesus told John, the beloved one day, when John said, pour fire down on those people, Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of, son. And John got a new spirit. It was called the spirit of love, and he became known as the disciple of love. And something happened to me a while back. And I don't even try to tell people off now. I want to lift people when I stand in this pulpit and tell you Jesus loves you and we're going somewhere and we're going to get there on time because God's with us. Amen. Come on, clap your hands. You will never be free of critics. It's like living in Austin and thinking one good bug extermination is all it takes. You're forever rid of roaches and spiders. And scorpions, no, you're not. The next thing we know, Rehoboam is being criticized and accused for the disastrous civil war that destroyed his nation. His pride would not let him submit to the heart of the people. Can I declare something to you right now? Being in this position, in this office, does not make me lord over anything. It makes me servant of everything. And if I ever lose the ability to carry the towel on my body and be able to kneel down and wipe your feet and wash your needs away in your life, then I'm not where I need to be in God. I know I'm going to get criticized. I know things are going to be critical sometime around here. And there's critical care that happens to people. And sometimes we don't make the right move and people criticize. But Lord, help me to when I stand in this pulpit and stand before you to bring the love of God to you and let you know that you can be lifted you can be lifted. Solomon said a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Come on, say, God, give me a humble heart. The second thing you've got to get over is a word called fear. At the other end of the spectrum from pride is another cause for people refusing criticism. It's like people I know who are sick but won't go to the doctor because they don't want to hear what's wrong. It might be bad, Pastor. Accept this fact. If you do anything of significance, you will be criticized. Jesus said that we should worry if no one is criticizing us. You know why? Because nobody bothers to kick a dead dog. If someone's kicking you, you must have some life left in you. Come on. As a rookie pastor 45 years ago, it worried me terribly if anybody said anything negative about me or the church or the people in the church, and I'd lose sleep over it and I couldn't sleep. Well, I've mellowed some with age. And now I know that as surely as boiling water produces steam, declaring and doing the gospel will produce critics. I love former Georgia Tech football coach Pepper Rogers. I love one story about him. I re recall an incident from his days as a high school baseball player. In a particular game, he stepped up to the plate and the catcher said, well, look who we have here, the great Pepper Rogers. Know why they're saying that about you, Pepper? What? They're saying you think you're the best thing in this league, that you're a real hot dog, that you're the mighty might. And Pepper replied, is that so? You know what they're saying about you? And the catcher said, no. What? He said, nothing. <laughs> I love that. In other words, if someone is bothering to criticize, you must have some life in you. Why don't you get up in the morning and say, talk all you want. I'm going through and I'm going to have a victorious day in my life. Ah, yeah. That's right. 
If you ever have a major heartbreaking crisis in your life, it'll teach you some things. One of my discoveries in my valley in 81 was this. Here it is. You ready? If I have kept faith with myself and God, then all the critics on earth won't be able to steal the joy and peace that I have in my life. But if I have not kept faith in, with myself and with God, not even 10,000 ardent admirers shouting, you're the greatest, will be able to chase away my gloom. Give life your best and your most noblest shot and accept the fact that someone is not going to like it and move on. I love a, a, a thing that I saw a long time ago. A circus was coming to town. And those circus wagons were painted. And when they came to town, the dogs were barking. And the caption said, the dogs bark, but the wagons roll on. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't let a critic stop you in your journey. Don't let somebody's criticism stop you in your journey. You have to put up with some jerks in your life. But go on and live for God and do what God wants you to do. Plow your own road, stay in your own lane and do what God has you to do in your life. Clap your hands real big and receive that. The Bible said in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. I love that. Everybody say pride. pride. Amen. Everybody say laziness. <laughs> Someone said the two most frightening words in the English language both begin with the letter C, cancer and change. People reject correction because correction requires change and change requires effort. Let me say it again. People reject correction because correction requires change and change requires effort. See, your annual review with your supervisor may require you to expend more effort on projects that you hate and detest. Or your mate's complaint of distance in the relationship in the family may demand that you increase the amount of time you spend with that particular person. Y'all may need to have a date night at Sonic on Tuesday when two for the price of one can eat there. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Don't say you don't have the money to take your wife out. You've got money enough to take your wife out. You're running out of time. Your child's struggle at school may demand you spending time with them, helping with homework and head work and understanding that they just want you there. They want to smell your cologne, Dad. They want to smell your perfume, Mom, helping them around the house. And your doctor's advice may require radical change in your lifestyle. You may have to get off Bluebell and Oreo cookies. <laughs> See, most reproof requires change. And change requires I've concluded that many people deep down inside, the reason they don't change is that they're flat out. You ready for this? They're lazy. You know, a lot of people just quit coming to church during the year. You know why? They're lazy. They love this church. They just don't want to get up and get dressed. My God, i got to take a shower. <laughs> i got to comb my hair. Lord. Some of y'all don't, but you can come on. I'm having fun with y'all tonight. <laughs> this is fun. We're products of Newton's law of motion. A body at rest remains at rest. That's why 
The easiest response to reproof is to do nothing. That's why Solomon said what he did in Proverbs 12. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is S. So let me, let me go on. We must learn to respond wisely to painful reproofs. First of all, expect to be criticized. Expect it. I love the story of the little boy who walked on the beach and saw a very old man preparing to catch some crabs. And the young boy had never seen anyone catch crabs before, so he sat in the sand and he watched this old man. And the old crabber, that's what they call him, worked his strings and nets and soon began to catch a lot of crab. And he threw them in a big bucket. And it wasn't long before the little boy noticed crab legs inching up over the top of the bucket. Mister, little boy said to the old crabber, you better put a top on your bucket or all your crabs are going to get away. Not a chance, said the old crabber to the little boy, because whenever one of them gets to the top, the other's going to pull him back down. Crab buckets never have to have a top because crabs pull the other crabs down. I wish everybody would be a climber. I wish everybody would do the best they can to get out of the bucket that you've been placed in in your life. I wish everybody could see the great, great horizons of heaven that God has prepared for us. We are made in his image, created in his likeness, and he wants the very best for everybody in this house. Come on, take off the limitations. That story right there will help you respond better. Although terminations and illnesses and accidents and financial casualties and divorces may be avoidable in a perfect world, they're inevitable in your world, in my world. You know why? Because none of us are perfect. Mark it down, circle it, remember it forever because of the imperfections you received from Father Adam, which the Bible calls sin. Adam sinned. You're going to make some mistakes in life, some big mistakes. You're going to make some selfish choices. You're going to make some poor judgments. You're going to make some slothful habits. You're going to have careless words that will bring unpleasant consequences into your marriage and into your home and your friendships and your finances and your career. Nevertheless, though mistakes are unavoidable, they are also forgivable. Everybody say, God forgives. Come on, say it again. God forgives. I love what Psalms says about this. My father-in-law loved this verse as much as any verse in the Bible. And I'm saying it for him who's been gone a long time from us. But I love my father-in-law. What a preacher he was. Psalms 103.14 says, For he, know, he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. Everybody say, we are dust. God remembers that we are unperfect better than we do. That's why forgiveness is provided through Jesus Christ. David, who certainly experienced his own share of mistakes, said more in Psalms 103. He said, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We used to sing in kindergarten, deep and wide, deep and wide. There's a fountain flowing deep and wide. He's got a high, high heaven. He's got a wide, wide spance of forgiveness. And he forgives us. Expect to be criticized. You're going to be criticized. The second thing I want to tell you before I start wrapping this up, learn to evaluate your reproofs. Learn to evaluate. In other words, sometimes the criticism we experience is because we're doing great 
adventurous things for God or for ourselves. And if you know you're following God, let the words of those people bounce off you and just keep on trucking. Still, there's other times when God is using the adversity to strengthen us. James said, consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, everybody say endurance. 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 I know this sounds so silly to y'all, but I found a barbell at my house the other day, and it took me back. So I went upstairs with that barbell, didn't tell Patty, and I lifted that thing all the time I was watching and my, I was so sore the next morning. <laughs> I'm out of shape. I need my endurance to be picked up. And I tested myself, and I passed the test, but I hurt. Can't wait to get home tonight. I'm going to do it for at least 15 minutes. <laughs> Amen. It takes God's kind of wisdom to determine the causes of problems we're encountering. That's why it's no accident that James went on to say in 1 and 5, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let me give you three entities you should go to when you encounter problems. Number one, say A, A. is God. Say, God, I need you. Come on, God, I need you. Proverbs 8 said, happy is the man who listens to me. That's wisdom talking watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors, for he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. God wants to give you wisdom about life because when you understand his wisdom, you find his favor. Glory. And you need to walk in that. You need to talk in that. God's got it for you. I know they say favor isn't fair, but you can have your favor in life. Start understanding these concepts. Don't give up every time you get hit by something. Get up and keep going. Keep trucking because God's got something greater for you down the road. Don't let jerks take away your life with God. Ask God to point out any sinful behavior in your life that might be the cause of the reproof you have experienced. And I suggest praying the prayer that Solomon's dad prayed. I love this prayer. Psalms 139, David said, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. It's been my experience, folks, that this is one prayer that God always is more than happy to answer. He'll answer it. He'll answer it. I had a God moment today in my office. I was in there and the door was shut. And I started writing. I was writing to my brother-in-law and I was writing and I was saying some things to him about what God is doing in my life right now. And I don't say this boastfully. I'm just telling you in the fear of God. And I began to weep and cry. And so I thought I would share it with my wife tonight when we got to church. And so I picked up my phone that I had, I had texted my brother-in-law to with. And I couldn't read it to her. I, I broke down again. I believe with all my heart that when you understand that God is your friend. He is not against you. He loves you. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to be your best friend ever. He's eternal. He's almighty. He's everlasting. He's not going away. He's not closed on Sunday. 
He's your Chick-fil-A. He's awesome. He is awesome. And I got to thinking how awesome he was today. And I got beside myself texting. Hear me. God wants you to have his favor in your life. Woo. Ah, hallelujah. He wants you to have his favor in your life. Randy, if you'll help me, I got to quit. I got to quit. The second thing you need is a trusted friend. So, Pastor, how do you define a trusted friend? A friend is someone who walks in when everybody else walks out. A friend is one who can tell you your breath is bad and you need an Altoid. <laughs> and it won't offend you. We all need someone speaking good about us. I was raised in churches that didn't grow much. and There was a lot of talking in the church and a lot of backbiting in the church. I'm so glad I pastor a growing church. I'm so glad God loves this church and he's germinating things in this house. And there's new plants being planted every day and there's new hope being planted every day and there's new crops every day. And we all need someone speaking to us about us. We need somebody encouraging us, not somebody just always tearing us down. But sometimes a friend needs to tell you, your breath is bad, you need, you need, a, you need some scope. Proverbs 27 and 6 said, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I'd rather have the wounds of a friend in me than the kisses of an enemy. Go ahead, talk to me. Get me back on level ground. I want to live for God. I want to walk in white someday. I want to worship on the other side someday. This is not just about here. This is about there. And the third thing, not only God, not only a friend, but yourself. That's right. Sometimes consulting with yourself provides the most insight about reproofs you encounter. Look at your history. Do you see a pattern of making the same mistakes repeatedly? What wrong assumptions led you to make that mistake? What changes need to be made in your future? What could you have done differently? Solomon was pretty graphic when he talked about this in Proverbs 26. He said, like a dog returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. A young bank executive was preparing to succeed the legendary founder of a company as the new CEO. And as he prepared to receive the mantle being passed from the elder mentor, he asked the old man a few questions. Sir, in your 40 years of leadership, what has been your secret to tremendous success? And the old man said, two words, son, good decisions. Sir, what's the key to making good decisions? He said, one word, son, experience. He said, pardon me for pressing the issue, sir, but I must ask one final question. What's the key for gaining the experience necessary to make good decisions? He said, two words, son, bad decisions. We all are going to make some bad decisions. But bad decisions and the reproof that follows do not guarantee we'll acquire wisdom to avoid similar mistakes in the future. But you must learn from mistakes. And I have to decide how I'm going to respond to correction. If I allow a wounded ego to step in, I won't respond. If I have a fear of the future, I won't respond. Or if I refuse to change, I'll never respond. I will suffer the consequences. Proverbs 29 and 1 said, A man who hardens his neck 
after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. On the other hand, if I learn from my past mistakes, I can actually profit and be better for it. Solomon said, listen to the counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. Solomon may have been thinking of his dad, King David, when he wrote these positive and negative responses to correction. I close with this. Would you stand to your feet? David is in sin up to his neck with his adulterous affair. I want you to listen to me real close. Bathsheba informs him that she is expecting a child. She's pregnant. He immediately covers, panics, and kicks into cover-up mode. It, in re it results in the death of Uriah, her husband. And for six months to a year later, no one puts two and two together as she grows with that child. No question, no one questions him. It appears he's off the hook, but David knows something's wrong. He senses some things that may be real or imagined, but as his visors are looking at him as strange, his subjects are staring and talking behind his back. Anytime he walks in the room, the whispers stop. But in his pride, he refuses to admit his sin. Psalms 32 said, when I kept silent, about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Selah. But then comes Nathan the prophet. Listen to me. God needs a pastor in everybody's life. I have pastors in my life. I listen to them. my pastors. They can talk to me. Some of them are not as old as I am. Some of them are younger. But there's men that I trust that can speak into my world. And Nathan comes in to see David and he points his finger at David and says, David, you're guilty. You're guilty. And at that point, David made a life decision that forever impacted his future. Folks, can I tell you, Jesus was called the son of David. Jesus was called the son of David. David's kingdom was celebrated through Jesus Christ. God can change your sinful life to a blessed life. He can turn you around. He can make you whole. He can make you whole. David confesses his sins, completely owns up to his faults and accepts Nathan's reproof. And that's the rest of the story. Psalms chapter 32, he said, I acknowledge my sin to you. In my iniquity, I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. That word means take a pause and just think about it. Won't you close your eyes and just think about it. Do you remember when Jesus saved you from your sin? Close your eyes now. Think about it. Do you remember when he came in and he took your sin away and he replaced it with his righteousness? You remember that moment? There's not a cleaner moment. There's not a more blessed moment in all the world the night you got saved. The night Jesus came in. The night he said, you're mine and I'm yours and let's do this life together. And here you are tonight and you're still standing. And critics have complained and they said, you know, you don't do this right. You don't do that right. But as long as you know in your heart that there is a peace with you and God, you walk right through the critics' eras. You walk right through the people that are trying to shoot you down with their words. And you say, I'm going through. I'm following Jesus Christ with everything that I am and everything that I have. Because he is my Savior. 
And Proverbs 3 said, for whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects a son in whom he delights. And I am done. Thank you for your wonderful time. Would you worship the Lord and clap your hands for the word of the Lord tonight? Amen. 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 So sometimes jerks are just jerks. But sometimes they can bring things to your attention that cause you to want to get down and say, Lord, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, make me whole again. I believe with all my heart that God will never quit loving you. He said, I have put you in my hand and no man can pluck you out of my hand. But you've got to understand that you need to understand that. And you've got to live according to what he believes in you about you. Do you love him tonight with all your heart? Are you excited to be a part of God's church tonight? Why don't we give Jesus the greatest hand clap we've given him in a long time tonight? Come on. Come on, praise him. Come on, praise him. Give him a great hand clap tonight. Give him a great hand clap tonight. A great hand clap tonight. Come on. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. I love you, Lord. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for endless joy. Thank you, Lord, because you show up in offices and you show up in cars and you show up in houses and you just kind of touch our hearts and make us soft again. Thank you for your tenderizing effect on our lives. I love you, Jesus, with all that I have. And I hadn't always done it right, Lord. And I understand criticism. But Lord, don't let me be one. Let me be a man that'll stand against it and walk through it and say, we're going on. We're going to live for God. I'm going to grab Solomon's secret and I'm going to move on through it all. Let me be an encourager, a blesser, a lifter of the church. Let me be a true man of God that lifts people with the word of God because the gospel is still good news. In Jesus' name, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad I got to be here tonight. Amen. I'm glad I got to be here tonight. And I love you. Sunday morning, we're going to have a great day. It's going to be a wonderful time. Where are you, Jersey? I'm going to be preaching in one. You're the most awesome people on the planet. I love you. Have a great, great night. Sing it.